host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Bonjour, je suis Katie et bienvenue au podcast de Fille de Grand House. Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Brittany. I'm Lydia. She's our special guest! (laughs) We have a special guest. And uh, we know this movie isn't... I mean, there is some ghostiness in this movie, but it isn't quite a horror movie. But it's something that Lydia had mentioned. Uh, Lydia's known us for a long time because we all went to college together. (laughs) Yes. I've talked about Lydia because she wrote uh, this amazing play called Delusions of Granger. And I I was in it t- three times, twice. I think we only did it twice, but we were supposed to do it three times. Right. Um, right. And it's brilliant, and I love it. And we should make it into a movie because um, I love it so much. But it was, like, my favorite play ever, and Lydia wrote it, and it's beautiful. So uh, she's one Thank of my you. favorite people from college. It's true. And Lydia was like, oh, my God, I saw this movie. And Brittany was like, me, too. And I hadn't seen it yet, but it looked beautiful. So we're covering Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a French film by Celine Siama. Yes. Am I saying that wrong? Siama. No, Siama. That's correct. I like her. She's very funny. Yes. In interviews. She was, was cracking the crowd up at Cannes. I was like, hell, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was Tiff. It might have been Tiff. Lydia, is there anything you'd like to say to just introduce yourself, what you're about, what your life is? Um, not really. I'm pretty boring. Okay. <laughs> I like this movie. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Lydia, I would describe Lydia as very calm. I don't know if you ladies would agree with me, but like Lydia is very chillax. That's her personality. But and I was, little, I was a little shocked because I had wrote a status about seeing this movie and I... I I sought it out because it was actually nominated for a few Academy Awards. And when it finally came on Hulu, I was like, oh, I want to see that. I heard it looks so beautiful. I had no idea. And I was so touched by this movie. I was like, I have to make a Facebook status about it. <laughs> Lydia reached out to me and told me how much she loved this movie. And it just um, sparked a conversation. And that's what I love about this movie. It's a movie that people will seek out other people to talk to about it because yes. it resonates so much with the viewer when they watch it. I feel like it's one of those movies that can be life-changing when oh, you watch agree. it. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's definitely a movie that, that stuck with me. I went home from the... Th- I saw it in theaters, and um, I went home from the theater, and when I first got to my car, I just sat in my car for probably a good 15 minutes just thinking about the movie and letting it marinate. You know, and then I got home and I couldn't stop thinking about the movie. It wasn't until it came on, you know, it was introduced on Hulu that I was finally like, okay, I can watch it again now. <laughs> Let me take a breath. <laughs> I was so excited to see it on Hulu so that everybody can see it. And really, really, really sad that it didn't win any more awards than it did because it absolutely deserved every award out there. It did win one Cannes Film Festival award. Right. It won the 
the queer palm, I think is what it's called, which I didn't think was really what they called it, but apparently it is. I think it won best screenplay at Kansas. Yeah. Well. Oh, okay, yeah. too. I'm sorry. It should have won for cinematography. It so, should have. Because oh, so the pretty. cinematography, like, I mean, that opening shot, you see that hand on canvas, and I was like, oh my God, it doesn't look real. It's Agreed. so beautiful. It doesn't even look real to begin with. It's also so pretty. I sketched a scene from it because oh, I was watching it the second time because, like, it's so pretty. I want to paint it. Like, every piece of scenery is like a piece of art. Yes. Like, every scene, I'm like, that would be a pretty painting. That would be a pretty painting. I want to paint that because, like, it's beautiful. There and I think that's so great many... because. God. No, there's so many just different pictures, like, so many moments mm-hmm. that I was like, that would. That makes a great picture. And like, you know, when we're in, on stage, we think of the same things as well. You know, we think about pictures and making a picture and having a balanced picture. And I really think that the director did a fantastic job of setting up pictures. So any any still, any frame could be taken and, you know, literally framed because <laughs> they're yeah, all so exactly. beautiful. Which is great because this is about art and the main focus of the the, almost of the play the movie is that it is about an artist and her journey as an artist and her subject's journey as a person I guess both of their journeys as people but um it's very it's very beautiful it's very artistic and I thought it was very fitting that they picked such a beautiful scenery in Brittany which is I think part of France but yeah. it's like the coast yeah. mm-hmm. it's like an island in Brittany so I love also that this movie is, like, it's very impressive that it's shot for the female gaze, which Mm -hmm. is not something you see very often at all. Um, And I loved it. I mean, it's just, (laughs) I mean, I know that keeps, I keep repeating myself, but, I mean, it's just so beautiful to watch. Um, And this Mm -hmm. is a girl power movie. This is directed, written, cinematography, acted. Everything is women. In fact, it Mm -hmm. wasn't until the second time I watched it that I was like, oh, my God, there are male actors. But they're pushed in the foreground, which is also not something you see um, very often. Yeah. I think the only other movie that's been this female driven, which ironically was directed by a man, but the whole cast is a woman, even the main male character, which is a spoiler, sorry, was the Suspiria remake, which... I also want to do on the podcast eventually. Although I loved it, and I don't think Brittany loved it as much as I did. But it's a beige it's a really Suspiria. Cool movie. Like, <laughs> it's a what? It's a beige Suspiria. Like who? You have Suspiria, but, and you see how vivid it is. And this one was completely beige. The color palette was very bland. The, the action and the passion is like, mm, it's great. <laughs> and they actually bring the dance into the plot. It's great. Anyways, we won't talk about Suspiria, but it's also. <laughs> Oh, actually, that's one set in Germany. Okay, never mind. I was going to say, it's French. I was like, nope, it's set in Berlin during the Berlin Wall. Sorry, I'm an idiot. So, uh, anyways. So, do we want to go into, like, spoiler-free plot and say if we would recommend the movie first? Yeah, we can do that. Um, I can go ahead with the synopsis, too. Perfection. Yes. So, we're still spoiler-free, people. If you haven't seen this movie, it's streaming on Hulu, and it's worth a watch, definitely. Yes. So, in coastal Brittany, at the end of the 18th century, painter Marianne is commissioned to paint a portrait of aristocratic Eloise without her knowledge. As the women become closer, the line between artist and muse begins to blur, and their artistic collaboration turns into a life-changing experience. 
beautiful. Right? I told you. Like, it's poetry every time Brittany writes a synopsis. <laughs> uh, yes. And, uh, yeah, there's there's only a few characters in this movie, which is kind of nice to focus on people. Yeah. There's three main... I get that there's three main characters, and then the mother is, like, an extra mm-hmm. kind of character. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's kind of there, but kind of not. But kind of not there. <laughs> she's kind of a catalyst for things to start, because she does right. hire Marianne. And stuff, but she kind of goes away. Like, everything important happens when she goes away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought this was a really interesting look. And I don't know. Well, I mean, Lydia used to build a lot of sets. But do you paint or anything? Like, draw? Um, I Yeah, I have. Um, so, yeah. I, like, I used to take a lot of art classes. And I, like, it was really interesting that it started out with an art class. And it was very, mm-hmm. like... I don't know, like, sometimes paintings get really personal, and you don't always want to share them with other people, and, like, the whole movie starts out with uh, her art class, Marianne is uh, teaching art to a bunch of little girls, which I thought was adorable, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, little class of girls taking art in the, eight, in the 1700s, awesome, but, like, one of them gets out this beautiful portrait of a lady on fire, and she's like, why the hell did she... Yeah, I was like, I was like, and that's the name of the movie. It's the painting. Um, but it's this beautiful, like, uh, landscape picture, but it has a woman who's, like, her skirt's on fire. And she's like, who the hell got that out? She doesn't say it like that, but obviously. She's like, what the hell? Where'd you get this painting? They're like, oh, it was in the back. I got it out. Like, one little girl raised her, and she's like, I got it out. And then she's just kind of remembering a point in her life. And I thought that was interesting because I was like, I remember like having to explain a self-portrait that well, I was assigned to do. And there was like personal stuff that I didn't want to tell people about that I put in there. So I just made a bunch of shit up. I'm sure she didn't tell the little girls about her love story. I'm guessing. I don't think we're supposed to think she's telling everybody about the story. She's more introspecting it. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting, like from an artist perspective, like. I don't know. It's very interesting to see someone actually like do a portrait back then. I was it was pretty mm-hmm. accurate. Although the actress uh, Naomi Merlant did not paint any of it. They actually hired a really good artist who they by the way, before the movie premiered, they had her art like up. They had an art display of all of her works of art beforehand. I was like, that's awesome. But yeah. she had to paint for like 16 hours a day. It's really interesting. I don't know if you ladies got to look up the uh, female painter they used for this movie, but a lot of her portraits that she does, um, like outside this movie, the women's eyes are usually um, covered or Mm -hmm. they're blurred. Um, And a lot of art critics have taken that as like, you know, um, she's kind of trying to rewrite, rewrite the thing we, the way we see art because often women are the subject of art, we're gazing at them. And it feels like the eyes are the gateway to the soul, and she's kind of covering that up. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of interesting that they picked her to do this when Eloise wouldn't sit for the painting. So a lot of the paintings we first mm-hmm. see, of course, the eyes are messed up, or they're not accurate. Like the first painting we see of Marianne, where it's like, yeah, it looks like her, but it does not capture her at all. Right. She has yeah. this, like, stupid face on, like, mm-hmm, I'm smiling. And it was just like, that doesn't seem like anything that girl has ever made <laughs> in her entire life. And this movie um, is definitely, like, it's not it's not about just studying a person. It's about really seeing a person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
like sometimes after I've seen a movie and I've put my notes on it, I kind of want to see what other people think about it. And I cannot remember the YouTube video, but basically this guy was talking about the movie and he made a very beautiful review of this movie. And he was actually very positive about it. Unlike this other man that I'll talk about later, who was very stupid. And I feel like he didn't even watch the movie because of the things he said. Um, But he was just like, oh, it's about the muse and the artist. But the director specifically stated like in an interview, like it's actually rejecting the role of a muse because in her opinion, and I, I, I can see where she's coming from. The muse, I don't know if it was purposefully done, but the muse was usually a woman. And it was like giving women a role in art, but not an active role in art. And I found that very interesting because, you know, one, that's Marianne is being an artist. It's something like a lot of women weren't allowed to do professionally until probably the 1700s. I mean, I can't think of a real, like, famous female artist until Mary, Mary Cassatt. Maybe, and that was like the 1800s. Like, there weren't a whole lot of women that were allowed to professionally be artists. It's like uh, Clara Schumann is a um, really amazing uh, uh, composer, but she used to have to uh, compose under her husband's name. Mm -hmm. And so all this stuff that's under her husband is actually under her. And I I sang something from her in, like, high school, and I started looking her up. I was like, oh, my God, she, like, kept her family together and stuff. But, like, women weren't allowed to do that. And I was like, yeah, I think probably they were like, it's kind of like the wife role. Like, you can be the muse and you're really important, but like, you don't actually get to participate. You just get to sit there. Yeah. And the guy was trying to make, pull this thing out of his ass where it's like, the muse has to be more artistic than the artists themselves. I was like, no, that's not true. Like, you just have to have no. somebody like stand there. It's really not that big of a deal. There's, I, um, I, found, <laughs> I found one line in the movie that seems to sum up that entire thing that you just went on. Um, Eloise herself actually says um, they're talking about being in the the convent or whatever Mm -hmm. and she says herself equality is a pleasant feeling and so I feel like that's the a big basis of where this movie even starts is that this whole time all Eloise is wanting is equality she doesn't want to be looked down on or to be you know to seem as though she doesn't have control Um, yeah because she doesn't or she feels like she doesn't Right. Which is really sad. And I, I found it interesting that they brought up Eurydice and um, mm-hmm. Orpheus. Because, again, he's the active participant. Eurydice is the inactive participant. She's just there. And I was like, oh my god, it's just like the muse thing. It's great. I love it. I love well, it. Symbolism. It's kind of like, and regarding what you are talking about, how like women... You know, painting was a man's world and women may have been allowed to take part of it, but their part was so small. And I think there's mm-hmm. it's brought up two different times in the movie. Once, um, well, once, you know, she meant we do find out her paint, her father was a painter. Her father is a painter. And so I guess there's this idea of legacy because she's always going to be compared to her father. And I think there's a real beautiful minor spoiler uh, alert at the ending where she ha- has done the painting of Orpheus and Eurydice. And someone goes, your father has it looks has amazing form. And she's like, actually, it's mine. I just submitted it under his name. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah. And it's, it's that kind of uncomfortable moment where the man was complimenting the painting. But then when he found that it was painted by a woman, he's kind of taken aback. Buy it, yeah. and it makes a comment like, "Well, you know, it's interesting because it looks like they're waving goodbye, and they're not usually portrayed that way." Um, so yeah, yeah it's because it's a different point of view, dude. Yeah, 
And it's definitely, um, you get to see these women, I, I hate to say it like this, but I, I don't know a more eloquent way to say it. This is kind of them living in a world away from men. Um, and they are able to have that sense of equality because they are away from men. They're yeah. often kind of their own little world um, on this mm -hmm. island. Yeah. And I think I think this week, because this takes place over a week, I mean, the, the real meat of the story, um, I think over this week is... I, I'm I'm a huge fan of Eloise. Like I just I think that she starts off with this character and she's like I can't do anything. You know I'm just a woman. I don't get to make any choices. And then she immediately turns into this strong woman who makes choices. She just makes she makes the choices for herself. You know the choices were being made for her, but she turned them around and started looking at them as so she could make them for herself. And um, so. I mean, that's that's what I think this whole movie is about, is choices and, you know, just making it for yourself and being strong through that. Yeah, and you, because you feel, of course, she doesn't really have a choice. And so right. I think this kind of turning moment, or one of my favorite moments watching this on the second time around, she plays for the presto. Marianne does. And she's like, mm -hmm. Milan's a city of music. And you definitely feel like, at overtime, and you only hear music twice in the entire movie. Um, one's the presto, and one's the other one, of course, is the women chanting near the fire. And there's two very, you know, accumulating moments in their relationship that that has these kind of musical interludes. So I feel like Eloise's love language is music. Um, mm -hmm. But she does say, she's like, I'm looking forward. So it's like that first kind of acceptance. Like, she's like, there's nothing I can do. This marriage will be arranged. It will happen. Because, you know, either she goes with it or she or she can commit suicide like her sister. There's not a lot of choices she has. But the idea of, well, there's music on the other side of this. It kind of gives her that first kind of idea of, well, maybe I do have an option. And I can look at my options in a different way than I had previously. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think that um, this kind of reminded me of The Witch. Because... Brittany and I had kind of differing opinions. Like I was really disappointed in the main character, but then for making her choice, but then Brittany was like, but she probably didn't have any choice with society at that point. She probably would have gotten murdered. So that's probably, you've seen the witch, right, Lydia? I'm not ruining yes. it for anybody. Okay, yes, good. No. So she's, it's probably like, that's why she became a witch. And I was like, but I'm so disappointed because they told her she was a witch and then she became a witch and she didn't have to do that. But it was like, that was her place in society. I didn't feel that way at all about Eloise. I was just like, I was like, okay, yeah, she sees her life. She sees, like, this is a practical solution. I can find a way to happiness. It's not the way I want things, but I can mm -hmm. be happy in this life, even if it's not what I expected my life to be. Exactly. So, and I, and she obviously is, like, she, I mean, we don't ever hear anything about her future husband, which I, I'm like, he, he can't be that terrible. She's still, she's able to go to the opera by herself in the 1700s. He must not be that much of an asshole, I hope. But, I mean, still, it's just the whole, like, I don't get to choose who I marry is, like, awful. And I don't think it would really matter, like, if he was good or bad. Like, it's just the principle of, like, I don't mm -hmm. get to choose. But at least her mom says something, like, I think she'll be not as bored when we move to Milan versus, like, and she's like, and you too? She's like, well, of course. But, I mean, she obviously wants her daughter to not be bored she probably didn't choose for her to go to a convent because that was just like the oldest child gets married the middle child goes to the convent and the third child i don't know what we do with you we just hope you live 
or not. I don't know. But that's kind of how they treated children back then. Like, they're just like, yeah, you get to go to the convent. Awesome. I don't know if this is the case or not, but I also feel like maybe, you, we know they're aristocratic, but maybe the money's running low. Um, I think it is. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the house is so empty. Mm-hmm. Like, everything has stuff over it. I, I mean, had her dad died? They don't really talk about her dad, like, but it seems like maybe he died, and maybe that's why she has to marry him. And they only have one nice dress for her to wear. And they only have one servant, too. Yeah. In it a was house that so big, weird. it's uncommon. Very weird. So, like, she's making, like, the prudent choice. It's not a great choice, but she does... Obviously, she finds some kind of happiness, and she doesn't forget about her life for the rest... Like, that moment in her life, which I think is is nice. It's good It's good to see... Yeah, not a tragic love story. It was kind of nice yeah. to, like, have it, like, everybody's in a different place, but they're still okay, which yeah. I thought was nice. Um, I guess, do we want to get into spoilers... Since oh, yeah. we obviously like this movie. <laughs> yes. Um, so we can do this two ways. We can just talk about stuff, like different subjects, or we can like go through the plot. It's kind of up to you guys. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I mean, the pl- if we go through the plot, it's more linear, so it might make a little more sense okay. for everyone listening. It's yeah. all good. Yes. And my one... Well, not my one. I have a couple. I think I'm going to be the most negative, even though I really love this movie. I did have, like, a list of things that I was like, hmm. And one thing was that there's not a whole lot of plot to this movie. Like, okay, see, don't don't get offended because no, I'm going to okay. disagree. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Like, I'm not going to get offended. I just felt like, I was like, I wish there was just, like, a little more story. A little bit, and I can see where some people were like, there's no plot. I'm like, there is some plot, but it's more of a romance. And if you don't like romances, if you're not like, I just want to see people fall in love, this probably isn't the movie for you. But if you like that, you should watch it. I feel like like the plot was simple, but rich. I agree. I agree. I think there was a lot of... (laughs) I think there was a lot of substance. It had a lot of substance. I didn't really mind that there wasn't that much of a plot, I will say. But I can understand critiques where people were like, there was no plot. I was like, there's some. But it's it's a light one. Yeah. It's a light one. We'll agree to disagree. It's okay! <laughs> that's, what, that's what podcasts are for. It would be boring if we were all just like, yes, amazing, great, wonderful. <laughs> or, yes, we all hate it. Great. Like... Uh, just, I, I think this. I think this movie has so many layers that you have. The the more you watch it, the more layers you'll uncover, and the more you'll fall in love with it. I've watched it about seven or eight times now, and not to pat myself on the back, but <laughs> ev- seriously, every time I watch it, I learn something new about it, and and every time I watch it, I I discover a different look or a different line that they say. I mean, just. There's just something every single time. That's why I can't. That's why I have to keep revisiting it because I can't mm-hmm. let it go. I just can't let it go. I think it makes me, like I said, it makes me want to paint again. Is what this movie makes, me. and and it's just so beautiful that mm-hmm. it is beautiful. I I watched it twice. Like I didn't. I it wasn't one of those movies where I was like, I watch it once, I'm done. It wasn't like Dog Tooth where I could not bring myself to watch it a second time. <laughs> I was like, I enjoyed it the second time too, and I really I I did pick up some stuff that I didn't pick up the first time. But I mean, I really like it. But yeah, basically we start in. I, I already said the art class thing. Yeah, I wanted in. to actually real quick uh, say yeah. a, 
a quote that I feel like to me sums up this movie in such a like a simple, beautiful, eloquent way. So mm-hmm. Celine actually said, I wanted to show in a film the lasting emancipating effect that such a romantic encounter can have on your life. And wow. I'm like, it's all yeah. right there mm-hmm. in that sentence. Which also, by the way, she and the girl that plays Eloise dated for a while. And they don't date anymore, but they still collaborate on film. Kind of like a David Lynch, Isabella Rossellini relationship. Like, you're the muse, but even though they're still together, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But they seem to get along really well, obviously. Like, nobody can do a whole movie together if you don't get along. To give you, and you you guys may already know this, um, before our viewers, to give kind of a um, little bit of background. So um, the actress who uh, played Eloise Adele, um, she was in another movie when she was 15, and she was assaulted by the director <gasps> of that movie. And uh, and afterwards, she did Water Lilies, which was her first film with Celine. Uh, she was about 18, and they began this relationship together. And she's like, she literally saved me. Um, wow. And so even though they're not in a relationship anymore, these women have such a impact on each other's life. And uh, there was an interview I read and they were like, was this stressful working with your ex? And she was like, no, this was actually the most calming, beautiful experience I had. Like everything felt natural. I felt safe. And I'm not saying a lot for a movie where you you really are laying yourself bare. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In a lot of ways, yeah. not just in, in any kind of sexual way and nudity, but literally your emotions are so raw um, and yeah. to be. I mean, yeah, it's a very, like, everyone seemed to be very comfortable and work well together. Like, in all the interviews, it's mostly just uh, Naomi, Merlant, Adele Hanel, and uh, Celine Sayama are the three people that seem to be doing interview rounds. And they all seem, like, very engaging and comfortable with each other. And, like, they were having a good time. And you can see that, like, everyone has chemistry. You have to have chemistry with the director, too. You can't just have chemistry with your co-star. And chemistry doesn't mean necessarily that you're romantically involved with someone. Chemistry is just you work. Well, okay, this is really stupid. But someone was quoting The Office. And it was, like, um, oh, who was Jenna Fisher talking about, like, chemistry for me is the person makes me have an easy time being my character. She's, like, I felt it was easy to be Pam when John Krasinski was Jim because we were Jim and Pam. We weren't together at all because they were never romantically involved. They both had partners the whole time, but it's like they have really good chemistry together because they find it easy to be their characters to each other's characters. If that makes sense. So like, I think all three of them have really good chemistry as a director, actor, everyone must, but those three, especially like they seem to get along really well. And maybe they'll do more movies. I don't know. We'll see. I haven't seen any of Celine Siama's other movies, and I feel really stupid now that I hadn't seen any of them. I hear they're good. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Water Lilies. Is it about? Is it I more tried, about painting? It's I about synchronized swimming. Yes, I tried really hard to find it, and I can't find it anywhere to watch it. But. Oh. <laughs> Believe it or not, it was streaming on Netflix uh, like a couple years ago. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe yeah. I missed it. <laughs> um, I have a Criterion collection. I wonder. I know they released Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but they did it like today or yesterday. And I was like, dang it. Because like, I was like, I bet it would have had more insights, but I didn't know until like today. 
But I wonder if they have some of her other ones because, like, David Lynch has released some of his, like, real weird movies, like his real short ones on Criterion, but you can't find them, like, anywhere else. So maybe it's there. I don't know. But I would like to see him because she's a very, like, everything's very beautiful in this movie. And I wonder if it's an outlier if she did it because it's, like, art- artistic, like, because it has so much to do with art or if, like, all of her movies look this gorgeous. Anyways, let's get to the plot. I'm going to shut up for a little while. So we know we begin in this um, art school um, where Marianne is a teacher. And um, we don't know. We know it's set a specific amount of years after the movie, but we're not quite sure. I did know I read a uh, director interview where this movie, this the main action in the film is taking place in 1770, which I didn't realize there was a precise year. So, yeah, but we go back and we kind of see the action. And, you know, we see her and she's being rolled to this island by these guys. Um, and, yeah, that kind of begins the, the kind of main breaking point. So we know we're heading with her on this journey, but we just don't know what's going on. So um, I feel like right from the start, we're, we're pretty engaged. We're like, what led to the portrait of a lady on fire, actual portrait? Um, and we go into that backstory to kind of find out what happened. Mm-hmm. I like the boat scene because, especially the second time I watched it, because I knew what she was carrying. The first time, you don't really know. But her uh, portrait, her canvases, like all of her painting supplies fall off the boat. And she like dives in to go get them. And you're like, oh, this is a go-getter. This is like, she's she can swim. It's the 1700s. And she's a woman. And she knows how to swim. And she's going after her paintings because that is her livelihood. And I thought it meant a lot more the second time I watched it. Because I was like, of course, yeah, of course you would go after your paintings. Like, duh, it's her life. But I thought, like, it was very interesting because I'm sure most women in the 1700s probably didn't know how to swim. In fact, I think Eloise is like, I've always wanted to learn how to swim, but I've never really been able to. And it's a whole, like, well, you'll never know if you're going to be able to sink or swim unless you do it. And, like, it just Marianne's just like, she's not afraid of life. She goes in head first. And she's a very determined person. And I think you know her character right from when you see that. Because all the men are like, the hell? Why is she jumping in the water? It's just a package. And it's like, no, no, no. It's not just a package. It's my livelihood. Yeah. I like it because even... Okay, this is really... This is like a random thought. But what I appreciate about this movie is that when we see Marianne get to the house. um, And, you know, she's drying off... um, I like the way nudity is portrayed in this movie. One, the actresses are absolutely stunning. They're French, uh, so being beautiful just comes with the territory, of course. But they feel they feel and look real. Like, their bodies mm-hmm. look real. And I like yes. the way the nudity, we're not getting, like, focus on the nipple shots or anything. We see, we see her, their breasts, and we see her breasts as she's drying off. But it's filmed in such a way that it's not a focus. Like, she's nude. It's a part of who she is. Um... Also, but, she smokes, and she's unafraid to smoke, which is, you know she's a <laughs> feminist in the 1700s if she smokes. That's yeah. automatically a character trait in movies. I don't know about in real life. In the, I didn't live in the 1700s. <laughs> but, like, whenever you see, like, a, they're like, a woman smoking? And she's like, yes, I am a feminist in the 1700s, and I smoke. It's like, I, I, or, like, if you wear a top hat, you're automatically a feminist in the, like, old Victorian era. It's very, very telltale. But she's just, like, chill. Like, she's unafraid. And she's obviously comfortable in her own skin. Well, and then, like, right afterwards, we're introduced to Eloise. And so we we kind of get this... We It's not explicitly said, but then I think it is later, that her sister did commit suicide. 
and um sophie the maid it's like you know how did she fall was it an accident and it's like no i don't think it was an accident because she didn't scream and so it's implied that maybe she was originally the one to be in this arranged marriage she wasn't happy so she did kill herself and i think it's a really really powerful moment the second time i watched this movie is that we see eloise and she just takes off running and i think it's really mm -hmm. easy to assume the worst after what happened to her sister and then she turns around and she goes, I've always dreamed of that. And it's like, I've always dreamed of running. Mm -hmm. And that's when you realize mm -hmm. she's raised, I guess, in this covenant. And she probably wasn't allowed to run. Like, <laughs> like, the, like, she said covenant and I'm sorry, I lost. I'm, sorry. It, I'm so sorry. It's a that's convent. No, I'm sorry. I was just thinking of like covenant, like Buffy the Which Vampire is, Slayer wow. or like vampires in the covenant. It was really funny. I'm sorry. I learned yes, a lot reading, so sorry. every once in a while I switch up words. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It was just cute, and I was just like, "Oh, she joined a covenant." Was, yeah, she, so this sorry. is this movie is actually about witches. Um, <laughs> but no, and it's just like you, 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 you take those kind of things for granted, um, and then when you see these characters, you're like, "Wow, can you imagine like being raised where you never were able just to run in a full sprint?" I know. I think that's another like quality. She reminds me of Eliza Bennett from Pride and Prejudice a lot, where she like wants to break free, but society won't let her. Yeah, it's just just annoying. It's more than annoying, but you know. Yeah. Yes, I I really like that moment. It's gorgeous too. The cliffs are just flipping amazing, and I like how they don't show her face for a long time. Yes, and you kind of understand Marianne's frustration because basically Marianne uh, has been hired by Eloise's mom to paint her portrait because she she wouldn't pose for the last portrait um, painter and because of that he couldn't finish her face and so she's supposed to pretend to not be a portrait painter but instead pretend to be her like walking companion and so she's trying to like surreptitiously get pictures of her and also like they didn't have cameras back then or at least not Maybe they did, but I don't really know. But they didn't have cameras that were readily available. They didn't have cell phones where you could just snap a picture. I can't imagine painting someone's portrait from complete memory, honestly. Like, I, I don't think I've ever painted anything that I didn't have a photo of. Or it wasn't, like, sitting in front of me the whole time. And she's trying to do that, which is really difficult. But she's obviously a very good artist because she's trying to succeed but they do this beautiful thing where like you just keep seeing like the back of her head and like the side of her head and her ear and then all of a sudden she like turns around and you're like oh my god look at her it's very pretty yeah and her eyes are very vivid i felt that mm -hmm. way watching these both of these women in this movie i feel like their eyes just always stood out in every single mm -hmm. shot they were in also she has some killer eyebrows i gotta say like her eyebrows <laughs> actually stuck out more to me she has these like Really thick, like beautiful, but very thick eyebrows, and they're very expressive. And she always kind of looks like she's frowning until like midway through the movie. Well, it's actually more than midway. They don't really like do any, like nothing romantic happens until like over an hour into the movie, and it's like a two hour yeah. movie, which I thought was kind of nice because it was more focusing on like a relationship building, not just like right. romance, which is when I say the thing about I like to expand my horizons and I like historical romance. And I have tried to watch many movies. Like, I like Emma. I like, I was telling Brittany about, like, the Fanny Hill uh, BBC adaptation. Like, I like movies like that where they take, like, a book 
that's set in Victorian times and BBC adapts it and it's beautiful and great. And there's like two movies that are based on books by Sarah Waters and one's called Fingersmith, which is what The Handmaiden that came out a few years ago by Chang Wook Park was based on. Oh, yeah. And then one, one's called Tipping the Velvet, which Tipping the Velvet, by the way, is apparently what you call, which I hate, I think this word is gross. I'm sorry, sex words are gross. But cunnilingus is Tipping the Velvet. That's what they used to call it in Victorian times. So they're both about Sarah Waters writing about relationships she had with other women when she was younger and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like, she wrote about a real-life romance, but she said in Victorian times, that's really cool. I want to watch this movie. And literally, the entire adaptation, not the entire, but there's a whole lot of it where it's just people, like, having sex. And it's a TV adaptation, so obviously it's, like, not that hardcore. But I was like, but can I just, like, watch, like, a movie about two people? Does it have to be because they're both women? Everyone has to be naked all the time? And especially tipping the velvet because there's a lot of, like, she, like, falls in love with one girl and she turns out to be a bitch. So she ends up, like, living as, like, a male impersonator. She's basically like a sex slave to this other lady. It's very weird. It's a very weird movie. And then she ends up finding true love at the end. And that romance is very, like, much like this movie. It's, like, very nice and, like, normal. But, like, it's a lot of just, I feel like they're, like, objectifying the women that are in the movie. And I don't think that's what the author meant at all but i was like i would like to watch a movie where it focuses on the two women actually being character characters and not caricatures mm-hmm. because like i feel like up until now i think moonlight was maybe the first movie i saw where like it was about not the whole thing of moonlight isn't about this but a big part of it is him falling in love with his best friend and their relationship and that's kind of how the end happens is like him trying to have a real relationship with someone and it's not about the fact that they're two men. It's just about their relationship. And I was like, wow, this is nice. Two people falling in love. And you're not just, like, trying to objectify them sexually. Well, and yeah. I feel like this movie really succeeded, even if they weren't trying to do it. I think just because they were being honest. Agree. Like, they were just, I like. Agree. And, yeah. <laughs> and you, they don't even, like, show any sex scenes. Like, right. everyone, everyone's naked because it's an art film. Like, everyone's going to be naked. I'm and sorry. It's, it's a just French thing. film. <laughs> Exactly. And like the armpit hair, I was like, I don't know if she grew that out for the movie or if she already, if it's just a French thing, but girl, that's some beautiful armpit hair. But I was like, I was like, this is like, they just tastefully cut away whenever anyone's about to get it on. I was like, that's so like, I was just like, thank you. Like, cause I'm sorry. Like, it's not that I am a complete prude about sex scenes, but I don't always sign up for like softcore porn when I'm like, I'm going to watch a Victorian romance. I'm so I'm not, I'm not always ready for porn when I'm doing that. And I was just very like, it was so tasteful and just pretty. And it was just about people. And I loved it. Well, it's hard because even I was thinking you're talking about Moonlight. I feel like another LGBT movie that deserves a shout out. That was beautiful was Carol. Um, and Carol. I haven't seen, I want to see so badly. It's so good. I got to see that movie in theaters, and it was a really great experience. Um, of course, Rumi Mara and Kate Blanchett are both amazing, but it was kind of disappointing to read inter- um, not interviews, reviews, and it's, it was like they're great actresses and the sex scene, blah 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 blah. And so it does feel like every love story you see, especially an adult love story, there is going to be a sex scene. Um, and I feel like it's so easy to get all caught up in the sex scene that we do forget the yeah. love story that mm-hmm. is. 
the focus yeah. of the movies. And it's really sad. And I think it's because LGBT romances, in a way, mainstream audiences are still getting used to them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's better. It's better than it was even 15, 20 years ago when, you know, Brokeback mm-hmm. Mountain was just called the gay cowboy story all the time. <laughs> and everyone was just like, Brokeback Mountain. It's which gay is a cowboy movie. Like, I mean, it's more yeah. than that. It really is. I know. And like, one of the reviews I was watching, which ironically, they were all, I couldn't find any um, reviews of this movie that wasn't by a man. And one guy, like I said, was very tasteful and he was very like, he liked the movie a lot. And this other guy was like, it was really boring. And I feel like they're just doing it so guys will go see two girls make out. I mean, that's why they did it. And I was like, one, they barely make out. I mean, it is very, like, it gets a little hot and heavy. Like, they're very sensual when they kiss and they do not cut away. It, but it's, like, beautiful sensual. And also, like, there's absolutely no, like, actual sex scenes in this movie. So I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, dude. And also, a woman wrote and directed it, and women, like, produced the whole thing. And I really don't think the whole time they're like, well, we gotta sell tickets to men, so it's gonna be the lesbian art film. Like, nobody did that. Like, come on. I was so mad. I was just like, what an asshole. Because, like, I don't know. Maybe that's what he wanted to see. I feel like it's a movie, though, that was really made for women. Not even uh, just women of the LGBT community. It was a, It's a movie that it really appeals to us because there's such a sensuality about, like, the way they look into each other's eyes. Or the way they yeah. hold each other. I mean, I feel like that's something that really touches us because as women, that's what we long for in relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's like these women, it's, it's, it's more than a romance. It's literally this life-changing experience and even though they can't be together they're forever impacted by this time they spent together right mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. I, I agree i think yeah. it's beautiful i think once yeah. again though i i just want to say again that i really think that hulu and any other outlet that is showing this movie or reviews or anything that mentions it as an LGBT movie really do the movie a disservice yeah. because I think there mm-hmm. it's there are there's a large amount of people that will not see it because of that modifier and that's it's yeah. not at all what this movie's about this 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 movie is not about the the two women being together it's it's so right. just a minute little thing it's all about you know it, and it just I, I don't know it just it's annoying yeah. <laughs> Like, well, I don't want to know. I just want to be able to enjoy the movie. And, like, I think Brittany had a good story about she was watching it and Taylor came in. And he automatically had an intuition about this movie. So, he yeah. didn't know anything about it. So, Taylor knew absolutely nothing about this movie. I watch it. And he's walking through the living room. And he stops. And he looks at the screen. And he goes, are they hot for each other? <laughs> and it's like. It, but yes. you can feel. And what it is, you can feel that electricity between them. Yes. And I, I don't think I don't think it's a plot twist for them to to end up as lovers because you no. feel it's it's magnetic and it's electric yeah. uh, right from yeah. the start. Um, which I'm sorry, my husband's not very eloquent, but he was rewatch <laughs> he was watching it for the first time with me when I rewatched it, and he kept saying, "I can't. This movie's so beautiful. Like that's I it think is. he said that like ten times while watching this movie. Yeah. He's like, this movie's but- so beautiful." Yeah, I do agree with Lydia because I feel like it, like people will click off if that's all. Like, that's why I feel like mystery, be mysterious, don't market it a certain way. Well, and I feel that, like it's going to get a bad rap. I Not because of, because I will say 
I, again, like, I try to expand my horizons. Yeah, I'm a cisgendered straight lady, but, like, I want to watch movies about people who aren't like me or, like, just see different points of view. And I used mm-hmm. to, like, try to go into, like, the Netflix. I would go to all genres, but I was like, oh, LGBTQ. And I swear, every single movie was just softcore porn. Like, it yeah. had a loose plot, but it was just softcore yeah. porn. I'm like, okay, can I just see people, like, have a story and they happen to be gay? Can we do that? Yeah, like, see- it's so I, I agree. Frustrating. And that's that's where that's where on the other side of the coin, I absolutely 100 percent agree with you. It, rep- representation is everything. And finally, to not have a movie that is just soft core porn, you know, or hardcore porn for that matter. I mean, and yeah, just have yeah. a, a, a true heartfelt love story between two women is just fantastic. Yes, because it, I feel like people who maybe aren't as open-minded probably just assume like any kind of like like I was telling some like more conservative people about this movie and I was just like one person was like oh that sounds great and then one person was like oh it's about two women I was like that's not what the movie's about like listen to me it's about a beautiful love story and they just both happen to be women because honestly I think it would take away from the plot obviously but you could technically change it to be two men or even a man and a woman who just can't be together and it wouldn't change mm-hmm. a lot about the plot but it would definitely take some themes out of it but I'm like that's why it's a good story because it's not just about these people are gay it's like no these people are just people and they happen to fall in love with people who are the same gender because that's right. what life is about people right. like yeah. people aren't like I don't know I don't like putting people in boxes like yeah. this is all they are and for too long people like especially like like I was telling Brittany, like caricatures, not caricatures, uh, characters, not caricatures, because like, like nothing, life isn't Will and Grace, the TV show. Right. Like, I'm sorry, gay people don't like people who are gay are just gay. And that's not the whole facet of their human being. Like that is Absolutely. one small part of every person is their sexuality. So it does. I'm like, thank God we have movies. I think that's why I like Moonlight so much. Cause I was like, Oh my God. It's a movie about a person and they just happen to be gay. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I'm not even, I'm like, again, I'm like a straight lady, but I just like seeing some representation, like be honest <laughs> and not just be, hi, it's a gay movie. So everyone's going to yeah. be naked every minute of every yeah. day. I'm like, we don't need that. Absolutely. I just want to see them. I don't know any of my friends who are gay that are like, I just have sex all the time. Like nobody talks like that. I'm sorry. y'all. <laughs> Like, and it's, and again, I think it's a, like, people don't, like, if you don't understand something, you're going to go to the base thing that you think about. It's like the people that got offended by the Campbell Soup commercial where it was the two dads and their little boy. And they're like, we don't want to hear about butt sex on our Campbell Soup. And I was like, <laughs> it's a little boy and his dad and you go to butt sex? Like, yeah. is that all you think about when you see people? Is there sexual... Well- action that's so that's gross. what that's what's so great about cinema is that when you watch enough cinema you and watch enough films you you get you become more empathetic and i really do now i i'm crier i cry at everything but i really believe it's because i love movies and i love reading and it gives you this insight to people you would really never know about until yeah yeah and that's what i would that's what i would recommend people going into this movie blinded um because it would I think it would give them more insight rather than sticking on any label on mm-hmm. on this movie. But I actually, other than something being like a horror, a comedy, I, I don't really like labels because I feel like so many movies don't fall into any kind of conventional box. Right. We usually have mixed genres. Mm-hmm. I think it's something interesting that 
people will talk about this movie, and then the subplot of Sophie's abortion hardly ever gets brought up. Yes, I'm glad yeah. you said that, because none of the reviews I watch even touch on that. Oh, and one touched on it, but nobody talks about it. Yeah, and that that to me was kind of like, and again, like I grew up super Catholic, so like abortion's very shocking to my psyche, but I'm not like, you know, I understand where she's coming from in this situation, especially, and I thought it was an interesting plot line. I do kind of feel like I wish it had been a little better introduced. Like, I feel a little bit like sometimes it felt kind of out of nowhere, but at least they gave Sophie something to do. And she had, like, a purpose in the story and something to bring them all together. So I kind of liked that, that it wasn't, like, someone, like, said, like, you know, she's a really good friend to both of them. And they both end up helping her and helping themselves, too, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting plot line because it's not something you would think about. But I'm sure it's something that came up a lot back then. It feels like among the three women, there's definitely, once again, they're kind of living on the outskirts from men. I mean, even when we go, we see the beach scene, it's all women chanting by the mm. fire. Um, So there's yep. definitely this, this kinship with all the women. But it's, you know, we know Eloise's and Mary Ann's relationship would be taboo. And we know the subject of abortion is taboo. Um, So there's something in this little world that it's, among them, nothing is taboo. Um, I don't specifically know that Sophie knows about the relationship, but I think it's strongly implied that she does. Is how I kind of feel. Yeah. Especially when she that was a question I had. Yeah. Yeah, that was a question I had. I was like, did they tell her or did they not? Or did they just figure she figured it out? I was never quite sure, but I, I guess I it's not really it important. Would, I think that it would be hard not to notice. I mean, if, if you're Sophie, I think it would be very hard not to notice. Right. Yeah. I know. I was, I was like, I assume she knows, but they never, like, say anything. But, I mean, they don't really have to. But, yeah, I, it was interesting, that whole thing. And I, I like, also, I, but this is a really immature question. I was like, who, who was Sophie sleeping with? Because I didn't see a single man anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, also, she looks like she's 12. And that's yeah. just a compliment to the actress is that you have very beautiful, young looking skin. But I was like, one, is she old enough to be having sex? And two, who is she having sex with? Because I don't see a damn man anywhere. <laughs> and I was just, I, don't, I was like, I wonder if like, is she in love with somebody? Or like, did she, oh, this is terrible, but did something not good happen to her? And that's why she's pregnant? Or is it just like, I don't know. I would I would have liked it's, to know a little bit more, but I guess it's not the focus of the story. I, think I was that, just curious. I, I think that it's introduced, though. I, I think that it's introduced that she's pregnant to remind you that, hey, there are still men. Like, this is still a re- reality. <laughs> this is still in this world. This world does not exist only women. Because, I mean, right. it, where it comes in the movie is, like, almost a halfway point. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, you've got the men in the at the beginning in the boat, and then the man at the end who comes to pick her up, and then you've got Sophie right there in the middle. That's like, hey, by the way, men still exist in this area. Like, it's <laughs> don't forget about them. This is just this is just women making their choices. So right, and it is again, it's more of a female driven movie, so it does make. But I was just I was kind of curious. I was like, who? I want to know what happened, Sophie. <laughs> so give me give me the dirt. Oh, I want to um, know too. <laughs> right? I'm like, what happened? Is it like a? Was it just a guy? Like, I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> but it's okay, Sophie. You you keep your secrets. It's fine. 
Uh, <laughs> I also want to know. Lord of the Rings reference. I also want to know if these women meet every night and do this like bonfire singing thing because I want to. <laughs> yes. Well, I was trying to figure out was this a one like was Marianne talked to them? She's like, hey. My the girl I'm interested in has never heard an orchestra. So do you guys know what like a choir number? Let me tell you. I was like in choir as a child. We did a bunch of those songs. It was like everyone's clapping in rhythm. Like I was about to say, but they're they're really they're really on point. So I feel like they they practice so much rehearsal. Yeah, it takes so much rehearsal. When did they have time? They're probably in the field rehearsing. They're like gonna shuck the. Or what, what do you do to wheat? Scythe the wheat, and we're just gonna <laughs> practice. Like, how hey, are you I'm, I'm going to practice singing with the girls. Okay, have fun. Like, <laughs> it was beautiful, though. Like, that that choir gorgeous. I love it. It was. But I was it absolutely I was, like, was. Yeah, how did they practice, Lydia? I don't know. I just want to go. I just want to go to one of their bonfires. They look fun. <laughs> We'll have one when COVID's over. We'll all okay. have a bonfire. Okay. Only fight women, okay. no men, and we all have to sp- choose a part. Thing, a different we- part. Song. Choose a part. Are, are we- learn are it. We gonna- are we gonna have grass that uh, makes you fly too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was my other question. So things I was like. I was like, why Why the magic mushroom scene? Or what magic grass? Was it pot or was it a mushroom? I was confused. I, okay, guys, I'm really not trying to be rude when I say this, but I really didn't know you could put, like, weed under your arms, your armpits, and that would, like, make you high. Like, is that something, like, I'm just not Eve or? Okay, I thought so they ate it, it. Was, it was a paste okay. is what it was. And it's, like, some kind of, like, a, 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 a like, you know, like, hallucinogenics. Um, and right. That hallucinogenics you can use topically and get a high from it. Oh, wow. But I think I think that the reason this that is that's why scene... she's seen seven times now she knows. When <laughs> Pretty much. You know all the <laughs> um, it did take me several times before I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay, I got it now. <laughs> I could um, I thought the armpit thing was just something like sensual. They're like, we're not gonna show like, no, I sex, think, but I, I think what it was, was is, like... is because when you're in like I mean when you're in a relationship with someone you want to have fun and I think that that was their way of not you know just you know having fun like they're just messing around you know it, am I imagining it or also when uh Eloise opens her eyes she has Adele's I'm uh, not Adele's um she has Marianne's eyes oh I was I for some reason, I think they're I just was, super dilated. <laughs> yeah, I I thought that the first time I saw, I was like, "Wait a minute, her eyes were not that color before." And then I was like, "Well, when you do drugs, your pupils dilate yeah. a lot." So that's I didn't really like dilated that much. Like, I mean, I don't know because it depends yeah, on the guys, drug. Have you guys both seen Mandy, Mm-mm. the Nicolas Cage movie? No. Oh, we gotta watch that. It's really good. It's like an '80s movie. Like, it's like a. It's really, it's like a revenge film. It's very good. But anyways, but there's a part where, like, this crazy guy's talking to the Mandy character and their faces keep melding into each other in an editing technique. And I, was, I wasn't I was sure if they did that or if her eyes were dilated. But I think it was that her eyes were dilating. Because literally, Mary Ann says, your eyes, like, in the subtitles. So I think it was her noticing it. Or maybe Mary Ann's tripping and her eyes are now Adele's eyes or something. I don't know. 
but uh, <laughs> I it think was, it's just it the drugs. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of one of those, like, I was like, is this an anachronism? Like, did they have, I mean, I'm sure that obviously they did because they're mushrooms, like they've been on the earth forever. But I mean, did they drop, not drop drugs? Did they, did they like use hallucinogens that often back then? I'm curious because I have no idea. But no one really talks about that part either. Like, it's well, just kind of yeah. a way thing. What happens at the bonfire stays at the bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> is that, <laughs> that, like, the midwife also is the drug dealer for the town. Like, she's what? like, she said she I'll got take it care from of her. <laughs> exactly. I'll take care of your pregnancies, your abortions, your drug needs. <laughs> want some coke? I got some coke. You need some new wine? I got some wine, ladies. Like, again, where are the men? I don't know where they are. Maybe they're all taking the mushrooms, and that's why we don't see them, because the women are the real earners in this town. Apparently. I don't know. Or the, Seems or like the it. Women, I, <laughs> I don't know. What are they people, doing? They're rolling people back and forth on boating. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I know! I was just like, how long does it take to get from a ship to Brittany? I don't know. The country, not the person. Yeah. <laughs> Brittany. Oh, sorry. I'm not going to speak French anymore. I don't do it that well. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird thing. But I, I mean, it was, it was like a nice scene. And they didn't go overboard. It wasn't like we went into like a giant, like, 40-minute interlude where like, if this was like a like a trying to be artsy movie, I feel like we would have had like an interlude where like Marianne like hallucinates this like fantasy life or like a yeah. nightmare or something. But this was just like, nah, they're just tripping balls and oh, she's a little dehydrated. Drink some water. And then it was just like, okay, next day. Cool. So yeah, it was, which, they which I like. Yeah. Which I like because, yes. you know, I mean, yeah, I, I like it when movies are don't try <laughs> i mean i know that sounds weird but like no but like no. they didn't force a you know an acid trip or they didn't force any kind of a drug experience and at the end they didn't end up together which spoiler alert uh, but i i personally i'm so glad that they didn't because i'm so tired of seeing movies where every movie has a happy ending and i it was it was very refreshing for them to not be together. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it was just a moment in time, you know? Mm -hmm. And I will say personally, oh, sorry, Brittany. No, you go. You'll say personally, I'll I'll tag on that. Personally, I won't go too much into my personal life, but I'm going through a weird transitional period romantically. And I tried to watch a couple movies to cheer myself up in the midst of it. And I was watching the Jane Austen book club, which I love. And there's people that are in a situation similar to mine, but then they end up together in, at the end. And I like, it made me really upset because I was like, no, I just want to be in the bad part because that's where I am right now. So watching this movie was kind of like, see, things can be okay even if you don't end up with yeah. the person you love. Like, they, like, I mean, I don't think, the other thing is, I don't think they're pretending that they're like, they don't like over dramatize their relationship like it was the love of my life and I will never be the same it's like no in real life sometimes you have relationships and even if they're great sometimes they just don't work out for many reasons and you Mm -hmm. just you don't regret you remember which is a direct line from the movie and you just kind of like you feel better about yourself and you learn something and you move on and you become a better person because of that relationship and I think they both became 
better people because of those that relationship. So it was I nice. Agree. I was like, it didn't make me cry because I was just like, I was like, oh, this is like nice. I like this. It wasn't, and it wasn't overly depressing. Like nobody killed themselves because they couldn't be with their love right. or something. And I'm like, I don't think most, I mean, obviously things like that do happen, but most people, most rational people aren't going to be like Romeo and Juliet and they're not going to just be like, I can't be with this one person, so I must end it all. Like most people will be like, this sucks, but you know what? I'm going to move on with my life because that's how you live yeah. life. And that's what we yeah. teach children, not Romeo and Juliet. So they think every high school relationship is the be all end all. It's like, no, no, no. You're 14, Romeo and Juliet. Y'all are idiots and your brain needs to develop just a little bit more. Well, what they did, they really did a service to the characters and also the time period, which mm-hmm. I like. Um, because you often, I feel like you see these movies where there is like a forbidden romance. And sometimes it's because it's LGBT. Sometimes it's like wrong side of the track. So you have like Titanic. And I'm sorry for spoiling a movie that premiered 24 <laughs> years ago. But, um, you know, you have poor little Jack Dawson and, you know, aristocratic mm-hmm. Rose and Jack has to die. And then or you have Brokeback Mountain and Jack Twist has to die. And it's like, no, like there's these, you can have the movie in a time period. You can have a romance happen. These romances have assisted since the beginning of time. And you can have these characters go on and be strong and live their lives while still yeah. honoring that romance. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I think the last scene is so powerful although if i'm gonna be picky i kind of wish they had i wish they had done i love the diegetic music the fact that all, i know lydia it's okay like i don't <laughs> I do not hate this movie lydia's like, this movie. Lydia's like no and i was like no no this is just like i'm just i'm just i'm just picky i really love the ending scene i love it a lot i wish just thematically that they had had a little more music it diegetic music because I like and diegetic I like that word but it just means like it is really happening in the story like when there's music it's because somebody's playing it or someone's actually singing in the plot it's not like in the people's heads so I really like that because it really made it really um realistic and there's it's not like it's a silent movie although it starts with silence and it ends with this beautiful orchestra um but I do wish that like maybe like, they had added, like, like two scenes where, like, maybe at the beginning, like, the first night Marianne's there, maybe she had already started to play the piano and plays that same song. And then maybe she tries to teach, uh, what's her name, Eloise that. And then it made a little more sense at the end. But I, I feel like, like, the focus was such on the painting, and then we ended with an orchestra. And I was a little bit like, okay. I mean, I love the scene by itself. But I was a little bit like they could have ended it with like her seeing the portrait in the um, in the gallery. And that would have been like a little bit more thematically flowing. But I love the scene. But I was just kind of, you know, I was like, I guess it's just more of like and then I saw her one more time. It was almost like a real life. I'm telling you a story. I think that it um, that there were about four different endings to this movie. (laughs) And I think yes. that, and I think that you're supposed to walk away with the one you want to walk away with. <laughs> oh, it's like Clue. The, yeah. The, the way I felt is that we had the poet's ending and then the lover's ending. Yes, so, that's exactly okay. what I was going to okay. say. Yeah. So I the it. ending is, of course, Mary Ann's ending, which is the 
she she looks so she's gazing on this portrait of Eloise and she she looks so it's the Orpheus ending and we have the page 28 so we know like in in Eloise's world there is still that memory of Mary Ann and it kind of resonates for time that's the poet's ending she gazes the lover's ending is Eloise's ending where she feels her so she is able yes. to feel her for the music so we have the gaze and we have the emotion. And I mean, yes. it may have not been clear cut and dry, but damn, it just resonates. Like, and I, I love that scene though. Like, do not think that I don't like it. I really like it. I'm just being real picky because it's a podcast about movies and I get picky sometimes. <laughs> Even when I love them, because I really that's love this movie. <laughs> but, but yeah, like that's the only weird thing. I was just kinda like, I wish they, but I'm also like, you know, I like music. So I was like, I want more music, but that's just me. But I 100% agree with you, Brittany. That's exactly where I was headed. So thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Good Sorry if I, if, I, if I cut into that. I didn't. No, mean- no, 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 no. That's <laughs> you said it. You said it better than how I was going to say it. So I, I loved it. I honestly, the very first time I saw it, I was like, it could have ended at her seeing that picture. Like to me, yeah. I was like, and then yeah. that scene just felt like the ending scene when we see Eloise for the final time. I was like, this is beautiful. But it was the second time I watched it where I wasn't really caught up in watching the movie. I was caught up in the character mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it just hit harder that second time. I liked the ending scene, the last ending scene, the second time better than I did the first time watching it. Yes. I think I, I was the opposite. I liked it the first time. And then the second time I got nitpicky. But I still love it. Like, I feel like I, I really, like, I do love this movie. Do not think because I'm picking it apart. I don't like it. Because I pick apart movies I like. I think my favorite thing about this movie is both of their final lines. Like, mm-hmm. Eloise says, turn around. And I was <laughs> and at the end, Marianne, Marianne says, but she didn't see me. Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, oh. Also, I was like, honey, just oh. get up. Go to the other box or throw something at her. Like I would like, I mean, just like to say, hey, like you don't have to. Like I'm just saying, like, but right, would it make it worse? But like, would it make it worse? Go ahead. I Brittany. don't know. No, you're good. You're good. I was about to say, would it have made it worse if she had saw her because she, in that moment, she gets to really be truly free. And if she yeah. had no Mary Ann was there, she may have not been able to have that authentic reaction. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, I meant, like, afterwards. Like, why didn't she go find her after it was over? Also, that's just one part of The Four Seasons by Vivaldi. That's Presto from Summer by Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Or from Vivaldi's Four Seasons. So did they... This is just an issue. I was like, did they just start in the middle of the of the Four Seasons? They're just like, hey, guys, we're not going to play the whole thing tonight. We're just going to play this one tune. <laughs> awesome! <laughs> I'm sure not, but it, I found it very funny that they started like in the dead center of this giant orchestral <laughs> piece. So they're just like, and presto, this is the part. It was funny, but it is a really good part of, I had to listen to it again because I hadn't listened to the four seasons in a long time, or at least not the do, 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 yeah. like, that's, I think that's spring, I want to say. I could be wrong. It's something seasonal, obviously, but yeah. I liked it. I really liked the the ending. It was even if I think it was a little out of nowhere, I still think it was really pretty. It was I, a callback. I think this was like honestly for me, this is one of the most satisfying film endings I've ever seen. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I didn't feel sad or like there was anything that I wanted more out of the movie. Exactly. 
And then I you left the, Go ahead. I, I left the movie thinking that's yeah. I mean, I, I I left. I pushed it away. I was satisfied. You know. Yeah. I was like, I'm not. I'm not mad about it. I'm not overly happy about it. I feel very content with this ending. Yeah. And yeah, I like that about a movie. And it it did feel like someone just telling like a story about like a relationship they had. Yeah. It, it really did feel like and like. And then this happened, and then, you know. But also, like, I don't know. She said, I saw her for that one last time, but they're both pretty young still. They might meet up again if they're both in the lawn. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Am I... a portrait of a lady in the water, part <laughs> duh, and they, they swim across the English Channel. I'm just, no. I don't know. I don't know that I want them to see each other ever again. Like, yeah. I kind of like, I kind of like the, the, how it's final. Like the finalization yeah. of it all. Yeah, I, I really like too how it's like this love story is taking place in the late 1700s, but there's still like moments that like I'm like, shit, we all have a song we hear that we associate with someone from our past. Yeah. Like, yes. and even Absolutely. though it's like this orchestra in the 1770s, it's like, oh, like you can you can feel that you can you can feel. Mm-hmm like what she's feeling because I mean there's certain songs I hear that I'm like I love listening to them but they do remind me of certain people yeah Um, absolutely also isn't it interesting that like back then because you didn't have a record player or an mp3 player or a cd player or the radio even you were just like hey the only way to let somebody know how beautiful song was was to learn it yourself and Mm -hmm. to know and how so first at Marianne's like oh, this song's so pretty, and then she starts playing, she's like, oh, I can't remember how to play the rest, but it's really pretty, and then, like, eventually, like, she gets to see Eloise actually experience it. It was very, that was very sweet. I was like, oh, how interesting. And again, diegetic music was pretty cool, and it's not, like, some people are like, oh, I don't like that there's not, like, sweeping music, but I really thought it added to bringing you into the scenes more. I agree, I agree. Then like like I like the remake of Pride and Prejudice that they did most recently with Kira Knightley. I really love how beautiful it is, but you lose a lot of the story because they have all these scenes where it's just this gorgeous music and this scenery. And I'm like, okay, that's nice, but we missed like this subplot and all this stuff. Before we get into like our rating system, is there any final thoughts, feelings, uh, kind of about this movie? I just want to say again how much I love this movie. <laughs> if I haven't said it enough, I just want to say it again. <laughs> I, Everyone should see it. Everyone should see it. Yeah. Don't let it don't let it be off-putting that it's in French because there is not a lot of dialogue. There's yeah. very little dialogue. Yeah. So, you should see it. If subtitles bother you, then don't read them. I mean, you'll you know what's going on, so it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like I would kind of put this in the same category, which this is an action movie, so it's not really. But Old Boy, which is in Korean, is kind of like that, where when the action's happening, there's, like, no talking, so you can really focus on that. And then when it's not happening is when, like, you have to pay attention. But, like, it was never difficult for me to pay attention to either of these movies. So it's more like that. It's not like one of those movies where, like, you have to be paying attention to everything going on. So, like, it, you have to split your time between the whatever and the subtitles in this. Plus, like, I don't think they'll release this with English dubbed, but don't watch a movie like that. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> also, I, really well. I pray to God, also, as a final takeaway, um, you won't get these kind of um, 
the great thing about world cinema is that you feel different things watching different movies from different countries. Like this, they could do an American remake of this film. It would not be the same movie in the least no, bit it wouldn't. at all. No. Um, it's kind of like when you watch E2 Mama Tambien. Um, it's like, you know, you could make remake E2 Mama Tambien um, in like an American remake, but you would lose so much history mm-hmm, uh, yeah. with that movie. And that's how I feel about this movie. Like, Please, for the love of God, I hope they don't ever try to remake I this. So but... <laughs> I was about to say that. I was like, please don't remake this movie. Yes. But <laughs> I, you know, they remade Old Boy, and it's oh, god, god awful. It and is Spike Lee directed it, and I don't think he's a bad director, but it's like he had no passion for it. And he yeah. just like, it's like the laziest effing movie. The only cool thing about it is that Samuel Jackson has like a mohawk. Like, <laughs> cool. Like... Oh, there is one thing about, like, the color and art. Like, I noticed they kept the two main characters very complimentary. The costumes are fucking gorgeous. In yes, they movie. are. And they keep um, Marianne, of course, because she isn't as wealthy as Eloise. And she traveled, so she probably didn't have enough room to pack multiple dresses. She wears, like, the same outfit. So does Sophie the maid. But Sophie's, like, this very, like, because she is, like, a servant, she's, like, this very, like, plain outfit but she has this beautiful embroidery all over her top of flowers and you see sophie you see the passage of time through sophie doing this embroidery piece and also the flowers that she's uh embroidering um like the real flowers that she's modeling in the embroidery like die and that's how you know the passage passage of time which i thought that was a very beautiful thing but like even though sophie is you know a servant like she has personality and I like that they gave her a story and they show that in her costume by giving her all the beautiful embroidery on her, like, very plain colored outfit. But then uh, Marianne's in red and Marianne is much more of a passionate person. Obviously, red's the color of passion. But they also put Eloise in a lot of greens and blues, which are complementary to red. If you ever if you ever do art and you have the color wheel, the complements are, like, across from each other in the color wheel and it's, like, directly across. And I like that because that's why Christmas is red and green, because it's compliments. That's why Auburn is orange and blue, because they're compliments. Like, there's a reason for people pairing colors. But I like that they kind of give everybody complimentary colors. I don't really remember what the mom was wearing, but she's really not that important of a person. Also, the, <laughs> we didn't talk about the ghost element at all, where Marianne keeps seeing a ghost of Eloise in her wedding dress. So what I took it cool. to mean is that um, I... I so you both have seen Ratatouille, I'm guessing Pixar's Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. So we always, it. I always think about the uh, moment where the critic eats the Ratatouille, and you see in his eye he's transported instantly back to his childhood. I feel like in the beginning of the movie, when we see when Marianne sees the portrait of the lady on fire, she it's kind of like that scene. She's instantly transported back in time, seeing that picture, and the reason she sees Eloise in her wedding dress is because she's essentially reliving this moment leading up to the final time she sees her when she turns around. Right. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she's remembering it. Yeah. I but I thought that was like it's like it's almost like a Jane Eyre kind of ghost, not so much like a ghost ghost, it's not spooky. Yeah. But I did like that like the relationship haunts her in her memory and like cuz you know, again, until um, we know that she's telling the story she hasn't seen her in that wedding dress also it was a very weird looking wedding dress I mean I think that was real like they did have capes like that but I was like is that at first I thought it was I thought it was like her night clothes I thought it was just her walking around 
And I was like, what is she doing? Why is she being so creepy? And then I was like, oh, and then she disappeared. And I was like, oh, okay. It's 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 in her head. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> the, I was a little confused. As she time. completes the portrait, completing the portrait is like the end goal, but it's also the thing that will take her away from her, essentially, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that kind of seeing her in her wedding dress is like kind of that reminder, okay, as we're nearing the end of our journey, this is what's going to happen. She's going to be married. Yep. So... Yeah kind of second also one artsy critique thing so and i would not have said this if they hadn't done the thing where she finishes the first portrait and then she smears it because it's oil paint and if you've never painted with oil paint it takes like flipping forever to dry it takes like a week or two to dry like i painted a, a picture of me this is so dorky but i totally painted a picture of me and my boyfriend like for our second anniversary i took forever but that thing took forever to dry like i painted it like a month in advance and i don't think it was dry until like the day after i gave it to him wow but so oil painting takes it depends what we're in a very humid environment in the south so that's probably why it took so long but i'm guessing they're by an ocean it's probably pretty humid if you're by an ocean and they immediately, she finishes the portrait, like, the day before the mom gets there. And he's immediately packing it up and doesn't put anything on top of the portrait. And he just starts putting it on his back and walking away. And I was, like, cringing inside. I was like, oh, my God, her portrait's going to get smeared because it's not dry yet. Which, again, is a very nitpicky thing. But I was just, <laughs> it was bothering me because I was like, it's such a pretty picture. It's going to be, like, she's going to get there and it's going to, like, have her face all smashed up. And he's going to be like... Who is this bitch I'm marrying? She doesn't look very good at all. But I thought, I was like, come on, y'all. Like, y'all were doing so good up until then. I'm sorry. But that's, again, me being nitpicky, and it's fine. It's it's not going to hurt the script at all, or the plot. But I was a little I'm worried pretty- about that portrait. <laughs> I didn't know this um, until the second I wanted to like touch on this very quickly. I didn't know until the second time I was watching it that she's looking, she's in the art gallery um, and she looks at her pamphlet and it's like she sees something. And that's when she starts moving for the crowd to find the portrait mm-hmm. of Eloise and her child. And I was like, oh, my God, is it like is it listed in the pamphlet like a Sibit blah, 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 uh, Countess Eloise, blah, blah, blah. And like she was like, oh, my God, I know that name. And that's what kind of you know, makes her go and, like, run to see if that is her in the portrait. I didn't know if that was a thing, but I thought it was very interesting because I literally had no idea. I was, like, watching it the first time, and the second time I was like, oh, she literally reads something that kind of sparks that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I'm guessing the way it looked, because there were so many paintings everywhere, it looked more like a silent auction kind of situation and not so much, like, just a gallery opening. Because I feel like you'd have a lot more space between the paintings if it was just, like, a gallery. So I feel like there must have been, like, a pamphlet with everything listed on, like, what you could buy. So I'm guessing that was more of what it was. It looked more like an art show than, and there were so many people there, than, like, a gallery opening. So it probably was, like, written down, like, this painting, blah, 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 over here. And and they're all numbered, too. Like, there was, like, a number over her painting, of Eurydice and or- Orpheus. So that's probably what it was. I think you're right, though. I didn't really notice it, though. I feel stupid. I guess I need to watch it 20 more times, though. <laughs> you're so. there. Yes, you do. I know. Lydia did the most. Yeah, you like, watch I've watched it like eight times, and I was like, <laughs> I have to watch it twice. But I liked it. Like, I liked watching it. It was beautiful to watch. So it was totally worth watching it twice. And it moves faster, too. 
Yes, like, it, it does. It actually does not. Some movies you watch it the second time and you're like, oh my God, just get to this part. But this movie was like, I just, I was in it for the journey even the second time. So I'm sure it feels the same way third and fourth and fifth times. Again, this is not boyhood. This is not trying too hard. And oh my God, I can't get through this dang movie because it's just trying too hard. This is like, it's just trying enough. That sounds, that sounds really bad, but it's true. No, it's just, it has the right amount of effort, sufficient effort to be a good movie that you want to watch. And I think it, it's a solid movie and it's very beautiful. And if you want to do film, especially yeah. if you're a woman who wants to do film, I think you should definitely yes. take a look at this because it is just saying how important women in film are. And I'm a little mad that this isn't getting more press. It's gotten some yeah. press. And I will say most people, like most reviewers I watch have at least seen this movie. But I feel like I've asked a lot of people like, not like film buffs, but like people like that I work with that do watch movies. And like they watch movies sometimes before I see them. And even they were like, I haven't seen that yet. And I'm like, well, why not? It's good. It's beautiful. It's like, hard, though, because, you know, this was a really good year for foreign film. But Parasite had that kind of. Yeah, dr that dramatic action, and this well, movie just kind of flew under the radar because it's yeah. beautiful, but it doesn't have that kind of in your face like, oh my god, you know, it doesn't have the same level of drama that Parasite did, and I think that's why, as a foreign film, it kind of got swept under the rug, which is really sad. Um, because did it get nominated for foreign film. I think it got nominated for foreign film and best cinematography. I want to say was the two awards it was nominated for. Because, like, I like I am surprised. I will say, I think Parasite, which I loved Parasite. We did a whole episode on Parasite just because we loved it so much. Um, it, it has more of a crowd appeal. Because yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people are either going to, unfortunately, say, oh, it's an LGBTQ plus movie. Or they're going to say, oh, it's a romance. It's for girls. But I don't yeah. think that's what this movie is. Because, again, yes, they're women, and yes, it does focus on women's roles. But it's not, like, beating you over the head with this. This isn't, like, a, like, Million Lady March kind of thing. It's just, like, a, like, it's, like, this is a story about women. It's not beating you over the head. And I don't think, yes, I think there's a message, but it's definitely not, like, uh, hand over fisted. Like, it's not, like, right. again, beating you over the head with women. Yes, it's just, like, this is a story, and women are the main characters. Yeah. But, and it explores, again, like, the midwife abortion thing. That's something that is very women-centric. But, again, they don't, I don't know, they barely, they don't even say the word abortion. Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, I haven't had my period in a few months. Oh, shit, you, you want some help with that? Yeah. Yeah, I really don't want to deal with this. Okay, cool, let's make you run up and down. I like how they try to run up and down the beach. Like, they're <laughs> yeah. like, Maybe we can just, like, make it not happen if you run enough. <laughs> I was like, I mean, what else did you do back then? Like, and then I love the part where Sophie's like, she's like, I wouldn't talk to the midwife at the mysterious bonfire. And she's just like, yeah, she says that's come back in two days. And then she just starts drinking, like, heavy. And I'm just like, damn, girl. I don't know if she knew that that could, like, be bad for a baby or if she was just like, I'm so fucking sick of being in this situation. Damn. Like, Sophie went at that alcohol hard. Like, <laughs> damn, girl. <laughs> but uh, it was, I was kind of funny. I was like, I feel you, Sophie. Like, I feel like that sometimes, too. So, but you know, I don't use alcohol. Sorry. 
as I drank a whole glass of wine. It was a normal glass. <laughs> I felt really, I don't really, I haven't really been drinking that much lately. Like, even though I've been going through a stressful period, I was like, I'm not going to drink to like make myself feel better. I'm going to process my feelings and be very healthy. But then on Monday night, I decided to take a picture of a giant, and the only pretty glass like that I had was like this giant wine glass that I got when I turned 21 for my sister. It's like the, it can fit like two normal glasses of wine in it, like in some room. <laughs> and I took a picture and I was trying to take a slow-mo picture of me pouring it and I just kept pouring it. And then it was like good wine, so I didn't want to throw it away. So then I had to drink like a whole giant glass of wine on Monday and I took a picture on my Instagram like as a joke. I was like, guess I got to finish it. And my cousin like messaged me immediately. She's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. I just was, I was, I slowly drank it. I didn't chug it. I promise. One but day was- I do want to do a uh, drunk pot, uh, Grindhouse Girls episode, but not like on Wednesday night because that's a glutton for punishment. But I, I think- know. I think it'd be great to, like, review a movie, like, kind of like how we did Fight Club that, like, kind of everyone knows and just drink and talk about Fight Club. Like, not Fight Club, but a movie kind of with that cult status that people have seen. I think it'd be hilarious, but... (laughs) It would have to be something where, like, wine or alcohol was, like, part of the plot structure, though. We should have done it for Climax, because that's when they... Uh I'm not going to drop acid, though, for a movie, but (laughs) drinking, yes. Well, okay, yeah. um, you're like, no, thank no thank you. That's what oh, Taylor's cousin is six, and he goes, no, thank you. And that's what I'm like, mm. <laughs> That's what I say to hard drugs. I'm okay. Light drugs, cool. Hard drugs, that's a hard pass for me. I'm a baby. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, so final thoughts. Um, so what would you guys personally rate this movie? Mm. Who wants to go first? I mean, I can. Um, so for me, this is a, a nine out of ten. Um, it's, I would say a solid A movie. Okay, I I give it. <laughs> I give it like an eight out of ten because I really really like it, but I had a couple questions. But I really really like it a lot, and I think the quality of cinematography and direction are definitely a ten out of ten. But I don't know. I might, it might, it's closer to a nine than a seven. So I definitely like might give it a nine out of 10 if I watch it a couple more times. You so will. It's a strong eight out of 10. I have to. Lydia won't <laughs> let me watch it. Just <laughs> I'm going to like go visit Lydia and she's going to be like, hey, so before we go out, we're going to watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire five more times. Okay? Cool. That's all we're going to do all weekend is just watch Portrait of a Lady fire we'll have it it'll be a marathon weekend yeah it'll be awesome <laughs> you, just, you just start dressing like marianne and like <laughs> and you just start opening your like apartment welcome <laughs> i decided to live my life as my favorite movie welcome all in um, lydia's next apartment there isn't the portrait of a lady on fire in the living room, I'm going to be, like, very disappointed. Like, <laughs> right, I, will, I will paint that picture for you, Lydia. I if will, you paint what, like, that picture, paint I will I will hang it up so fast. <laughs> I, you will paint that picture for me. <laughs> I'm curious if I can, because it's really good. Like, it's really well made. Just, but... just make it on a smaller scale. That's all I ask. It's actually easier to paint it bigger, honestly. Oh, well, then go all out. Go, like, yeah. full size. 
I have like all these canvases I got for Christmas, so I gotta put them to good yeah. use. I, I really do it over my mantle, so yeah. I really do appreciate the picture of her like on the beach with this like weird face thing on her. I thought that was so pretty that I want to paint that picture for sure. So maybe I'll just do portraits from Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, Lydia, so you gotta tell us your rating. All right, I give it a ten out of ten <laughs> for sure. Nobody for saw that sure. coming. <laughs> right, nobody saw that coming because everybody thought I hated this movie. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. 10 I out love of 10. the passion. <laughs> I, I am like very. I am incredibly passionate about this movie. Like, it, it's mind blowing. It's just, I, I don't it. know. It's so good. <laughs> it is really good. I love it. And it's nice to have a third person to talk to, too. Like, I like, I like that Lydia was so passionate that we were just like, I was like, Brittany's like, I, Lydia really I was like, she should come on the podcast. I we wish, should like, talk about it. I wish that, like, people could see the looks that Lydia was serving when we said certain <laughs> things, too. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I was putting everything up on YouTube, but I have stopped because it's too much work. But, I, I mean, I don't want to put it up. If I didn't warn Lydia ahead of time. I kept thinking, I need to text Lydia. I need to text Lydia that, like, we might be putting this on YouTube. I don't know if I will, though. I just might just put, like... Shot a- when you said, like, you know, there was some things in just that deadpan, like... <laughs> <laughs> just really good deadpan. Like, I thought Lydia didn't like me for, like, the first couple times I talked to her because I was really close with her roommate. And I was like, I think Lydia hates me. But eventually I realized she didn't hate me. And I was like, oh, thank God. Because I'm very annoyingly perky when you first meet me. If you're not a perky person. I mean, it's true. Well, and Lydia, I just have I just have serious resting bitch face like all the time. Okay. Well, Lydia's a boss ass bitch, so she'll just be yes. running around stage doing stuff, and you're like, "Do I say something to her, or is she like on a mission? Like, you don't want to bother her <laughs> yeah. if she's on a mission." So Lydia, Lydia did. Somebody did break a saw once, and Lydia. We won't name names, but Lydia did have to come out, and they were never the same again. So that did happen. I mean, but. <laughs> This is really, oh my god, I just noticed you had Beats headphones, Lydia. Oh my god. Oh yeah. And they're purple yeah. too. Represent. <laughs> oh my god. I have really crappy ones. <laughs> but I love that Lydia came. I almost like was texting her like, hey, maybe you should wear headphones. And she like already had headphones on. I was like, yeah, so professional. Oh my god. Hey. She's, a, she's a natural like at this yeah. thing. You need to come back on again. We need to find another movie that you're yeah. passionate about. Yes, yeah, I'd love to. Anytime. Yeah, I did have to tell you the rating I had for this movie. Um, because okay, I didn't have, I had nothing but funny ones, and I was oh, like, I don't want to be too funny because I like this movie, but I this, couldn't think of anything mature to say. This is funny. Um, so I'm so sorry, but I put S for Sisterhood of the Traveling Dress Dresses because. <laughs> Eloise, Mary Ann, and Sophie all wear that green dress. They all wore the same dress. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's like the college night green dress all over again. Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Or like any costume in a costume department. I was like, I wore like some leopard. Oh, well, I wore some leopard print dress in Side by Side by Sondheim, and I also had a light up bra. And then I can't remember who was somebody else wore the leopard print dress in like company. And then 
like James James ended up wearing my light up bra in the Bacchae the next year and it was just like <laughs> I was like ah, it's the light up bra it's great you could light up each boob separately That's Emily amazing. rigged it up so I used to stand backstage and like do the little things and like just be like right left right left right left right left everyone should have a light up bra it's amazing <laughs> and they were in stars they were in the shape of stars it was that cool uh, thank you, Emily. I really appreciated my light up bra for that show. It was great. Um, yes, I like that one. I mine were really stupid. Mine was like rated M for muses and magic mushrooms. And <laughs> <laughs> even though we're rejecting the the concept of a muse, but you know, and then rated P for portrait of two women just being friends, not. <laughs> Mostly because I watched Jenna Marbles, who sadly has been bullied off the internet, and I'm really upset about it. But her and her boyfriend are always joking, like, we're just friends. Friends, friends, friends. And I was just like, oh, they're not friends. It's adorable. <laughs> you have a good rating, Lydia? Because mine were really stupid. Yeah, uh, mine's going to be E for epic body hair. Oh, yeah. That's good. Okay, that might be it. That yeah, might have to be good. it. There, there, was a, there was a lot of body hair going on. There was. There was. And but I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't like mad about it because it was so unapologetic. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, I mean, we got, we got it hair. It was well groomed. Like she really like, it looked like she brushed that arm hair. Like, yeah. I was like, girl, like, yeah. okay. So that, I you, think know that... What? you know what? Do what, do you do you. Okay. You if do that's you, what girl. you want, you do you. I like it because you know what? I, I always tell Taylor this. I'm like, so women literally weren't like shaving anything till the 1920s. And Gillette was, I think it was Gillette that they were just like, we need to make more money. Huh? Yep. Maybe we can get women to start shaving too. Yep. So I'm like, I if we're say. being accurate, I mean, I love Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones could have had a lot more body hair. Like if we were going to yeah, be accurate. Everyone's really anti-body hair on Game of Thrones. Unless you're talking about like, um. Oh, I can't remember his character's name, but redheaded, who oh, had sex oh. with the bear, but not really. Oh, oh my fuck. god. Ah, 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 Tormund. Tormund. Except yeah. for, like, Tormund. Like, everybody's, like, very void of body hair, and I was always like, did they, did they wax in the whatever's? Like, I don't think anybody waxed down there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's like, well, John, as beautiful and lustrous as Jon Snow's hair is, he was gonna have some body hair, and I'm like, look yeah. at that ass, not a hair on it. Like, <laughs> I know. You know what? Okay, this is really. If, if had you guys watched the Goop Lab, because I watched it and laughed hysterically Katie at the tells whole me thing. About the Goop Lab, at least once. Oh my god! Every podcast. It's snake oil. It's snake oil. It's terrible. What they're doing to people. But there's this one episode where it's all about vaginas, and it's this old lady. She's like in her 80s, and she's just been teaching women to have orgasms her whole life. Which I really like the old lady because she's just like unapologetically like. I'm just a naked old lady on a dildo. It's so funny. Like, she literally <laughs> says that. You're just like, okay, cool, whatever. But at one point, they're like, let's show everybody at Goop's vagina. And, like, they literally show everybody at Goop's vagina close up. Which, again, women are beautiful. The human body's beautiful. I do think genitals look pretty funny. But, like, it's beautiful, too. Whatever. But literally everybody was completely waxed and groomed like not one person had a hairy vagina at all and i was like 
Did they all go get waxed together? Or is it just because they live in California? I don't know. I need answers because I was like, I felt very, they were like, we don't want women to feel self-conscious. I was like, I feel self-conscious because not anybody has a hairy vagina. And I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't live in California. And I feel like Carrie in that episode of Sex and the City when she goes and gets completely waxed. And she's just like, I'm naked down there. She took everything. <laughs> it's a great episode. Yes. Sorry. I know exactly what you're talking about. Which that's yeah. what, speaking of movies, like, okay, I'll make this quick. <laughs> so, like, my vaginas. favorite. But, yeah, vaginas. Exactly. My favorite. A lot of my favorite movies. They don't show this movie at all. Huh? huh? God, they don't show it all in this they movie. Do. There's so you much press. Unlike one of Paltrow, that was a joke that was being sarcastic. Okay, I was but... about to say because I was like, we only see like, we only see a flash of vagina one time, and it's just when Marianne's laying in bed restless. But I'm like, there's a okay. Vagina. That was the only naked scene where I was kind of like, what the fuck are you? Doing? Maybe it was really hot or something. But she just wakes up and it's just like, boy. I was like, what's going on? I was like, oh, okay. She's just okay. That's fine, girl. Whatever. I was like, I guess they're just trying to be on natural, but I don't often just, like, take my nightgown up and just, like, scratch. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not as in tune with my body. But, no, I was joking about Gwyneth Paltrow because she acts like she's God's gift to womankind. And she's, like, liberating all these women about their vaginas. But I'm like, yeah, we all saw Sex and the City ten years ago, sweetie. Like, we all understand <laughs> vibrators. Remember the rabbit episode? Yeah, yeah. That's when we figured it out. Like... We're good now, Gwyneth. I think she's just, you know, she's trying to find herself by selling people snake oil. It's fine. But <laughs> I'm going to get sued by Goop. It's fine. I know, right? It's like we get a letter <laughs> in the mail from Goop. Like, what? <laughs> and, it's, I, and it's fine. Like, I'm like, I want women to be empowered. But I, I just find it funny when other, like, celebrities. It was like the people singing Imagine All the People during COVID-19 quarantine. And they were like, everyone has to know how... Portia de Rossi and Ellen DeGeneres feel about COVID-19. I'm like, you know, we're all feeling it ourselves. We don't need celebrities to feel it for us. Like, we're okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Gwyneth. Anyways, uh, yeah. Body hair. I do like there yours, Lydia. I think yours may be the winner. Lydia's <laughs> definitely the winner, because there's a lot of body hair in this. But again, it's tasteful, and I really didn't yeah. feel like it was gross out at all. Like I didn't feel grossed out. I didn't, honestly didn't notice her pit hair until the second time I watched it. And then I was just like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Power to you. I don't know. The wine's wearing off y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that covered all. I think that covered pretty much everything though. Um, it's just a beautiful movie. I, I think more people need to see this movie and have it in For their sure. lives. For sure. Yes, definitely. I love it. I think it's good. Thank you, Lydia, for having passion yes. for a movie and inspiring <laughs> us to do it. Honestly, like, yeah. I, was, I, I wish I felt that passion about a movie. Like, I haven't felt, I don't know. I was pretty passionate about, was it Lighthouse? Which one was, I think it was Lighthouse. I was like, oh, my God, it's the best thing ever. Did you see the Lighthouse, Lydia? I did. Do you like I it or did it. you hate it? It was it was okay. I yeah, it, it's it's okay. So how you feel about portraits, how I feel about lighthouse. Okay. So yeah. It's it was perfect. Right. I love Robert right. Eggers though. He has become like my favorite, like uh, like not he's such like a normal person too, because he comes from a theater background, but he's not a total douchebag auteur, even though he is like an auteur kind of director. He's just like 
oh no, I just like to make movies. <laughs> so, and I love people like that. Incidentally, this is our 16th episode, and so far, Lighthouse, Portrait of a Lady, and It Follows are my only three that have gotten 9 out of 10s. Um, I haven't given any movie a 10 out of 10 yet. So, Uh-oh. second one, Lighthouse and. Uh, Lighthouse, It Follows, and Portrait of a Lady are my highest rating uh, movies, and they're all 9 out of 10s. I do love It Follows, but I yeah. like, I, for some reason, I like um, the other uh, Under the Silver Lake better. I love It Follows, but I don't know. Under the Silver Lake, I love conspiracy theories, and that's like that whole movie, and it's so great. And the music, the music is really good. The music and is it's good. more of a comedy, but I'm just weird. I'm just weird like that. Um. Yeah. So I'm really glad Lydia came on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being our guest. We so appreciate you. Um. If you ever have another movie that you are passionate about, please tell us, and we will watch it and we will discuss it. We would love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Thanks for having <laughs> also, me, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Also, Lydia was like very honestly in the nicest way. I was like, she was like, oh, I love the podcast. I was like, oh, any feedback? And she gave me like a list of things. She was like, <laughs> and then like the nicest way. And I was like, oh, oh I good. Didn't this actually working. I didn't hear this list. I did. I told you. I told you. It was like, the, like, because I we recorded like the first four episodes and I didn't I didn't have time to listen back to them because we were trying to get ahead of schedule. And then Lydia and Tim both listened to them and they're like, Katie, shut the fuck up because you won't stop talking. I didn't say it like that. But I was thinking the same thing when I was editing. I was like, oh, my God, Brittany's trying to talk. What the fuck's wrong with me? And so, like, I had to work on that. And also Lydia was like, hey, y'all might want to make it more clear what movie you're doing next time because people may want to know. And I was like... You are totally right. Thank you for the feedback. <laughs> we need feedback. But Lydia was like one of the first two people to give us any kind of feedback ever. And Aww. like that's that's how I roll. Sorry. <laughs> it's just, it's just supportive. It's nice. I like it's nice. I, it's nice having supportive friends who like I actually value Lydia's opinion, honestly. Oh, thank uh, you. She has good thank you. Yeah, thank and she's she isn't easily swayed either, so you know if she likes something that's so good. <laughs> it's a good thing. And and you so, know it. I, I'm not quiet uh, about it. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. She'll be like, oh, I just didn't really like that very much. It was really stupid. <laughs> You're oh. like, oh, okay, thanks. Thanks, bud. It's like my mom's <laughs> like that. She would see plays I was in. She's like, yeah, it was really not very good. I mean, you tried, but <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. She was like, yeah, it's okay though. Like, it's not, it's not your fault. You didn't pick the play. It's fine. One us. But so, thank you guys for watching. We will be watching Doctor Sleep. It's Brit's pick of the week. It's Doctor Sleep of the week. Brit's pick of the week, and also uh, The Shining for reference. Ironically, I've read most of the beginning of both Dr. Sleep and The Shining and haven't finished either because I'm that weird person who reads books and then never finishes them because I want to make them last longer. So I'll probably like watch the first part and be like, I know exactly what's going on and then have no idea what's going on. <laughs> through. Which I, I kind of like when I see the movie because I want to be surprised. But I'm interested to see... I will like probably want to finish the book afterwards because I want to see like how different it is. Maybe I can get myself to finish it by the time we watch, we do the review next week, but I'm excited because uh, it's on Amazon prime. I think yeah. it's on Amazon prime. The one thing I will say is that I'm not, the shining was streaming on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is or not. So we may have to look into that. Um, 
But I do know for sure that Dr. Sleep is now streaming. Yes. And I mean, like, I feel like most people have probably seen The Shining. Although, recently, I went to this really cool Shining-themed bar, the Overlook Uh Hotel in Cincinnati, Ohio, where my family's from. And I was really excited to go. And I was like, I asked my aunt and uncles if they wanted to go too. They're pretty, they're pretty hip and they like to go out and do things, but they like hadn't seen the shining and they were like in their twenties when it came out. And I was so shocked to my core that people hadn't seen the shining that were alive when it was in theaters. And I was like, what do you mean? You've never seen the shining. And they're like, yeah, you know, like I was raising kids. I didn't really want to watch a horror movie. They thought it was just like a slasher flick. And I was like, that's not what the shining is. It's a, beautiful movie like it's like it's like about a family falling apart which is more the books even more like that it's like the psychology of a family falling apart and it's so like sad um but it's really good and uh we can get into conspiracy theories of the shining my sister is convinced that it's like the whole plight of the native americans is like what it's about oh so showtime is streaming the shining awesome and Doctor Sleep is on HBO. So HBO, that's so weird. Oh, HBO has Doctor Sleep and Showtime has The Shining, which I have both on my Amazon Prime subscription. So, woo! Because I pay too much money for subscriptions, but I don't yeah, have the cable. same thing. Everything that you can stream, we are paying to stream. So. Yeah. I finally got Criterion Collection, their own like app, because I just, there was like movies that I wanted to see that are only on Criterion Collection. Like they used to be on Hulu and they took them off. So um, I'm very excited about that. So we will bid adieu to everyone. I didn't yes. prepare an ending in French, but um, <laughs> puppy, adieu, yeah. everyone. And um, we'll see you next time. And I'm sure, hopefully, we'll have Lydia back at some point. Because yes. she had a lot of really great things to say, and it was nice to get a fresh perspective. We'll just have to find <laughs> another movie that she's passionate about. So, yeah. go watch watch some more movies and stay spooky, okay. y'all. Stay spooky, y'all. Bye. 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 Love you. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. 